This is the Axiom Youth Podcast. Thanks for listening. We appreciate all the support that you've given us so far. We hope you continue to listen. This lesson is taught by our youth pastor, Brother Jared Turner, and it's about grace. We hope you enjoy listening. Thanks for tuning in. Grace is greater than sin. Great. I want you to know that. Grace is greater. You can put grace is greater than any sin. Any sin. Grace is greater than any sin. But there is one thing that grace is not greater than. And it's not even necessarily a sin. But that one thing is indifference. Grace is not greater than indifference. Indifference or a I don't care attitude will defeat grace every time. It will destroy grace in your life. There is no sin. There is nothing wrong that you could do that will destroy God's grace. I want you to get that in your heart. There is nothing wrong that you could do that would destroy God's grace in your life. If you say, Brother Jared, you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you have done. God's grace is sufficient. There is not any sin that God's grace cannot cover, that God's grace cannot forgive, that God's grace cannot heal you from. You can think of the worst sins committed by humanity, and those sins can be forgiven. You could go down the list of big ones and violent assaults and murders, and God's grace can cover them because this Bible is filled with stories of people that murdered and sinned and committed adultery and lied and cheated and did all kinds of horrible things and yet God's grace was sufficient for them. It means it was enough. Grace was enough to cover it. There is no sin that God's grace is not enough to cover. When Jonah, how many remember Jonah and the whale? When Jonah went to preach to the city of Nineveh, Nineveh was a wicked city. It was probably a lot like Sodom and Gomorrah. It was a terrible place. I remember Brother Kilman teaching that the Assyrians used to take captives and they would cut off body parts and use those ears and heads to decorate the walls of their rooms. That's how evil that they were. But Jonah came and preached a message of grace and said, repent because the judgment of the Lord is come upon you. And the king repented and put on ashes and sackcloth, a humble garment. And you know what? God spared that city and grace was sufficient to heal even the the wickedness of Nineveh. Grace can cover anything. Here's what grace is. Grace is an invitation to the party. Grace is an invitation to sit at God's table. Because here in our text, in our story, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a king that made a marriage. And by a marriage, it means like a reception, a marriage supper, a big spread. And he invited people. And the very fact that you had an invitation was the fact that you had grace because there was nobody that's worthy to be the guest of the king. 
Because there's nobody as powerful as the king. There's nobody as mighty as the king. There's nobody like God. And the very fact that he would spread out a table, David said, in the presence of mine enemies. The very fact that God would say, I want to bless you. I want to give you something. I want to know you. I want to help you. I want to have a relationship with you. The very fact that God would even say that, that is God's grace. That is God's grace. But you know what happened in this story when the king set out a table and he sent out the invitations and people could see the grace and of mercy of God and he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords and, and there's no telling what would be spread out on his table. There's no telling the depth and the things that he would give to the guests that came. This, the things, the lavish things that you would give to the guests in those days and this was the king of kings and the Lord of Lords, and he called a party, and he offered people to come to that party, and they didn't deserve to be there, but he offered it anyway, and you know what happened? Nobody showed up. It was empty. Can you imagine? The king, the most important, shh, don't talk, listen, the most important person in all the land through a party He's the most powerful. He can do the most for you, right? Just one word from him, and you can have infinite blessings and riches and things just lavished on you, and you have the audacity to not come when he gives you a personal invitation. Can you imagine? But that's what it said. Those who were bidden to the feast huh, did not come. And so the Bible says that the king was angry and he sent out his armies and he destroyed those who were uh, invited but did not come. Because you see, his grace ended at indifference. Luke chapter 14 says it this way, that those who were bidden to the feast gave excuses and said, I have just bought a new ox or a new car in our day and age, and I cannot come. I must tend to my ox. I have just gotten married myself. I do not have time to come to your party, king. It was indifference that killed grace in their life. It was not sin that did it. Buying a new ox or a new car or a new house or new clothes is not sinful, right? Having nice things, being a part of school functions is not sinful, right? But when it leads to indifference, when the king calls. That is the one thing that grace cannot overcome. That is the one thing that grace cannot surmount. In any mistake that you make in life, God's grace can reach you still. God's grace can pull you back. But when you become indifferent to his call, when you become indifferent to his personal invitation to come and to partake of the things that he has laid out on the table for you, that is when grace stops in your life. That's when grace no more, no longer works. And that's the end of your story. When you grow indifferent to him. Because the, the story goes on to say that the, the Lord came in and he looked and he saw that empty, that empty room and his heart hurt because he desired. Right? If you've ever thrown a party and nobody showed up, I remember going to a girl in my youth group's birthday party and nobody was there and it was very sad and very awkward time right she was just not very popular and I don't know I, we, we were must have been a very selfish youth group I don't I don't know what was going on but I remember I still remember that it sticks out in my mind nobody was there and the food was laid out and there was nobody to eat it 
it was very, very sad. And just to think that that's Jesus. He's laid out this table and people are too busy. He's given everything. He's laid out his own blood, his own dead body. He rose from the dead to give new life and to lay out all of these blessings and all of these things. And nobody shows up. That's where grace ends. Because the table is spread. That is grace. And you are invited. All you've got to do is show your invitation and walk in. And you don't even really have to have all that much going for you. You just have to show up. And there's the grace and there's the mercy just waiting on you, laid out on the table. Because the Bible goes on that when he saw that empty room, he said, I want you to go out and I want you to, Luke says it this way, Luke chapter 14, I want you to get the halt and the maimed. I want you to get those that are not rich and those that are not grand and those who have a disability and I want you to bring them in to my house. Matthew says it this way, I want you to go out into the highways in the byways and I want you to compel them to come all the good and the bad good people and bad people see it didn't matter your sin it mattered your availability that's where grace works see you he couldn't get a hold of the rich folks he couldn't get a hold of the people that were too busy stacking up cars in their garage and going to fancy parties and holding their nice careers he couldn't get them to come so he said go get the homeless person that's hungry that doesn't have any food in the refrigerator why they use they stink they've been so they've done so many things that are wrong they've lived a horrible lifestyle it doesn't matter he said they're hungry and they want to come And that's all I need is my house filled with people that want to be here. And Matthew records this story that there was a man sitting there at the feast after they had invited all of those from the highways and the byways to come and had drugged them to the house of the Lord, to the king's house. And he was sitting there, the Bible says, and he did not have on a wedding garment. He did not have on a wedding garment. And the Lord looked at him and said, why, didn't you ha- why don't you have your wedding garment? Now, this is interesting to me, and I've heard this preached a lot of different ways, but this is my opinion on this. I don't, think it's, you know, I don't think it's set in stone, but it is my opinion. What it struck me today is that this man that was sitting there, he was the only one that did not have the right garment on. But the Bible, if you mix the two stories together, the two accounts, you can see that these are people that were just passing by on the highway or people that were not very wealthy or people that could not work and they were maimed and they were broken and they were bad or they were good, but they just were whoever. And of all the people that filled the house, there was only one that did not have a wedding garment. Of all those people, there was only one. And now this is a story, it's a fictitious story that Jesus made up to illustrate a point. This is not a true story. It's a story that Jesus truly told, but he said it was a parable. So we are under the understanding that this is not really happened. So, But we've got to pull meaning out of this story that Jesus gave us. And so there's only one man that did not have the wedding garment. And so Jesus looks at him, or the Lord, or the king, which we can understand represents God. And he looks at him and says, friend, why don't you have on a wedding garment? And he was speechless. He was speechless. And he said, bind this man, cast him out into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Meaning, cast him into hell. He did not make it. He was not saved. Now, that seems kind of harsh, right? um, This is a message about grace. 
right? And I said at the beginning, the one thing grace can overcome is indifference. It's indifference. So I don't think this man necessarily sinned because he did not have the garment. And I've heard people say what the garment means and all this stuff. And I really don't know everything that the garment is. All I can say is you've got to come to God the way he wants you to come. Right? So you've got to be willing to come. Right? You can't be indifferent. But when you do decide to come, you've got to come the way he wants you to come. You've got to be saved the way it's laid out in Scripture. That's why we preach you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Why? Because the Bible says you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And Jesus is the Lord of our life. So if we're going to please Him, we better do what He says. And when the Bible says that you must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, that you must be born again of water and of spirit, then we believe that. Why? Because it's in there and we've got to come the way Jesus is going to want us to come because He died for us. It is His party. The Catholic Church didn't die for us. The Baptist Church did not die for us. The United Pentecostal Church did not die for us. So no matter what any church or organization says, we've got to do what Jesus says. We've got to do what the Bible says. We've got to come His way because it's His party. And we should feel honored just to get an invitation. But here's what I want you to know. This is what kind of struck me today is that that room was filled with poor people. And there was only one person that did not have the correct garment to be in the presence of the king. So where did those people that made it get their garments? I don't think they went and bought them at Walmart. I don't think they went down to Dillard's and picked out the nicest thing because I don't think they could afford it. And I don't think they had time because they were literally walking on the highway when the servants came out and said, why don't you come to the party? Because my Lord's house will be filled. So I think the garment was offered them at the door. I don't know this, but I think, I would imagine that the garment was offered them. There's no way a poor, uh, lame person without a job. And in that, those day and age, we didn't, they didn't have social welfare and things that took care of people. They just laid them out on the street and let them beg. I don't think those kind of people would be able to find an appropriate wedding garment. But the Lord's heartbeat and the king's heartbeat was that my house must be filled. And so I'm going to go find those that are interested. And I'm going to give them everything that they need to succeed to make it. I'm going to clean them up and I'm going to give them a new change of clothes. And all they have to do is to be receptive of me. But there was one man that although he wanted to be at the party, he was indifferent to the rules. He was indifferent to what God wanted to do in his life. And I could see that. I don't know, maybe just because I'm a youth pastor and I've dealt with some attitudes uh, before and I've been a young person and I've had some attitudes before. But I could just imagine his attitude. I ain't doing that. I'm coming, but I ain't doing that. No way I'm not doing that. That's ridiculous. That's stupid. That's dumb. But notice he couldn't pop an attitude when he was looking face to face with the king. He could kind of shimmy off his servants. Right? You could kind of Knock, mock the servants of the king and say, I'm not wearing that crazy contraption that you've got for me. But when the king approached him, when he stood before the king and the king said, friend, where is your garment? Friend, I provided it for you and you chose to be indifferent to it. Friend, I laid it out for you and you chose another way and you chose another path. And I laid out for you the, the righteous garment, but your garments, the Bible says, are lies. Filthy rags. 
compared to the king. Can you imagine being in the presence of the king in your clothes that you were just laying down in the street in? He was offered something better. And he chose the wrong thing. He was indifferent to what was offered him. And this story gives us an accurate depiction of what grace is. Grace is, first of all, an invitation to the table. And grace is the ability to live like you should live. And if you are indifferent at either point, you will not make it at the feast. You will not be at the feast because it is his rules. Because he paid for the food. He owns the house. He owns the table. And not one person that was there was worthy to be there. Everybody who got an invitation should feel honored that they were invited. Imagine getting an invitation to the White House. Right? Imagine getting an invitation to the most powerful man in the land. You would not dare wear just a t-shirt and some shorts up there to the White House. You would dress your best. Why? Because you are about to meet the most powerful man in the world. And you're about to eat their food that they're going to give you for free. And you better believe it. Every sane person would be on their best behavior. And you would not complain because it's the White House. And we all know the White House has rules. And you would do your very best to obey the rules. My uncle has been to the White House before. He was a, uh, he was a um, chief of staff to the governor of Mississippi. And so they, the White House has a governor's dinner every year. And so he went with the governor. And he was just kind of a country kid from southern Illinois. And and uh, not really sophisticated, but pretty smart. But they, there was this bowl on the table, and it had stuff floating in it. He thought maybe it was something to eat. He didn't know. He was just from Illinois, and then he'd moved to Mississippi. He didn't get any better. And so he sticks his fork in that bowl, and he starts poking at things. And he said the governor, was his boss, was sitting next to him, and he used to wear these boots that were really long and pointed. And he said, he kicked me so hard under the table, it almost brought tears to my eyes. But I got the message, and I put the fork down. And I just sat there, and we went through the rest of the dinner. And when it was time to get up to go to the other thing, he whispered to me, man, it's bad enough we're from Mississippi, and you're trying to eat out of the finger bowl. Now, he didn't know what a finger bowl was. But he found out later the finger bowl is a bowl of water and potpourri that you wash your hands in before you eat the next food. It's to make your hands smell good and to cleanse them. And he was trying to eat out of it. Right? It was not in the rules. And he did not complain that he got in trouble. He was embarrassed because he was with the most powerful people in the country and looking like a doofus trying to eat out of the finger bowl where everybody else is washing their hands. Right? Because you, when you're there and it's not your house and you're honored to be there, you follow the rules. You don't complain because, wait, you could stay home. 
Because not everybody gets invited to the White House. Not everybody makes it there. Not everybody gets that invitation. Not everybody knows what you know. Not everybody's been where you've been. And you should feel honored that you are there. That is what grace does. Grace makes you feel honored that you're even here. And it makes you say, yes, Lord, whatever you want from me. Because I'm honored. I'm honored that I am even here. Because the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. There are few that even make that initial step, Brother Tyler, and even can see what's on the table. And those of us who have tasted of that heavenly gift ought to have a deeper understanding of the grace of God and say, I am honored that I've been to NAYC and that I've lifted my hands and that I felt the power and the Spirit of God surge through my body. I'm thankful that I know what's on the table. And so whatever God asks of me, I'm going to do it because I've received grace. But the moment you say, I'm not doing that, I am not there, I am not going to do that, wear that silly garment, I'm not putting that on, I'm not being this, I might be that, but I'm not going to be this. It's not your house, and it's not your table, and it's not your food. You better be thankful that you're there and say, whatever garment you want me to put on, Lord, I'm going to put it on. I'm going to put it on. I'm going to be what you've called me to be. I'm going to do what you've called me to do because I am a recipient of grace. And the Bible says this, that to whom much is given, much is required. And it also says that to whom little is given, there is little love. But to whom much is given, there is much love. So when you have seen where God can bring you, and you have felt what God can do in your life. There needs to be, Lexi, stay, we're almost done. Almost done. Promise. Because when you have seen and when you have tasted what God can do, and you know, and you know, that's the power of grace, and you know where you could have been and where you are, That's when you can do anything that God has asked you to do. That's when you can live in a holy and righteous lifestyle. That's when you can give up anything. It's because of grace. It's not because of self-righteousness that we live the way we live. It's because of grace. Grace is the reason why we can live a lifestyle like we live. and That's why there's certain things I do not watch. There are certain things I do not put in front of my eyes, not just because it's a rule, but because I'm in the king's house. And if he makes a rule, that seems so little to me to follow that rule based on the goodness that has been heaped on my life because I'm here at the master's house, at the master's table, and I knew where I was before somebody invited me, before somebody pulled me in, before somebody came and picked me up, before somebody came and said, hey, why don't you come to this feast that you have no business being at, and when you can taste of what's there, then you know this is worth it. This is worth it. I want you to stand tonight. I'm coming to a close. If Sister Hannah would help me. Grace. We get a misconception of grace so often in our society, especially in our Christian society. That grace means you can, that nobody can judge you. Grace means that you can do whatever you want to do and God does not care. 
That's just not true. Now, there is the unlimited side of grace. Is that grace, is like I said at the beginning. Like I said at the beginning. Grace can overcome any sin. The good and the bad both came to the table. The ones that were that were good people and those that were just nasty people. They were all welcome at the table. But they all had to do something first. They had to change their garment. They had to be willing to conform to the rules of the house. It did not matter where they started, but it did matter where, they, where it ended. Grace that, that does not create a uniformity is empty and dead and actually alive. That's why when we come together, right, we kind of expect the same out of everybody. We expect everybody to worship. We expect everybody to live holy and to live righteous. It, do, it doesn't matter where you started. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how far away you were from God when you first started coming to church. Once you get the gift of the Holy Ghost and once you have the power and the anointing on your life, once you, once you taste of the heavenly gift that God has given. Once you taste of that, then you should be willing and able to conform your life to the image of Jesus Christ. There is no, the Bible says that there is no Jew, there is no Gentile, and there is no male, and there is no female in the kingdom of God. That means the kingdom of God is not diverse. There is no subcultures in the kingdom of God. There is no white Christians, and there are no black Christians. There are no girl Christians, and there are no male Christians. There are just Christians. And you've got to conform your life to the way that God desires you to live. Because when you have tasted of that gift, when you have tasted of that gift, gift. It should be easy to conform because you should be thankful to be there. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. Nobody looking around. And it's simple tonight. It does not matter what you have done. It does not matter where you have been. It just matters your response right now. Because I about to act as the servant of the king and give you an invitation to come and to receive. Come and receive whatever you need from God. Say, Brother Jared, I've been struggling with things. Well, there's a, there's a fix at the table. There's a healing at the table. But you've got to come. You've got to be willing. And you cannot be indifferent. Not laugh this moment off because that shuts down grace in your life. You've got to be open to it. You've got to be sensitive to it. So I want us to pray right now. I'm about to make this altar available to you in just a moment, but I want I want everybody closing their eyes, nobody looking around, nobody goofing off. Lord, I pray for this group right now. Lord, I, I pray, God, that your invitations in their, in their heart, in their spirit would begin to go out right now. God, it does not matter what they have been dealing with when they came in here. God, it does not matter what kind of sins they have committed even today, God. 
Lord, your grace is sufficient. Your mercy is strong enough, God. But Lord, I pray that you would remove every distraction, God, and lie of the enemy that would tell them that this is crazy and that there is no power in this. And I pray that they would give you a chance, God, to taste and see that you are good, to see that the things you have for them are so much better than this world has for them. And I pray, God, Lord, that they would begin to feel after you. In the name of Jesus. This altar is open. I wonder if there's somebody that would like to come forward. I wonder if there's somebody that would like to come forward and say, you know what, I, I, I just, I want to get closer to God. I wonder if there's somebody here say, you know what, I'm not going to let this invitation pass me.